You want answers? I think I'm entitled. You want answers? I want the truth! You can't handle the truth! I know Kung Fu. Show me. I want you to do me a favor. Yeah, sure. I want you to hit me as hard as you can. What? I want you to hit me as hard as you can. I find your lack of faith disturbing. Welcome to the John Weldon Show. All right. Welcome back, everybody. Jonathan Welton here with another special guest on our podcast series this summer. And I am intrigued and thrilled to uh, invite you to listen along with me. This is a, a newer friend, but somebody who actually has followed me, found my books about eight years ago, and he's leading a men's program uh, different than The Bulletproof Husband. And I'm, we're going to hear all about it. But he's been very kind and and uh, beautiful to communicate with over the last few months. And I'm thrilled to invite you to listen along as we talk to my new friend, Mark Santiago. Thanks, John. Thank you for having me. Appreciate it. Awesome, man. So start the story wherever. I, I would love to hear your journey into creating the program that you run now, The Empowered Man. And even even some of the trouble that you went through that led you to this place. Yeah. So <laughs> it's always one of those things where like back when I was a wee child, no, um, I, I grew up in a dysfunctional home. Uh, I grew up in a divorced home. And through a lot of that experience, a lot of emotional abuse and sexual abuse and all kinds of things across my path, right? If you want to look at my testimony or, or whatever. And I, I would say, though, the biggest of those was my dad. And my dad uh, died when I was 15 years old. Um, but prior to that, he was emotionally abusive. And I thought that was normal. I thought, oh, this is the way your father treats you because you're, you're a piece of shit. And, you know, you can't hit the ball out of the park. You know, so it is what it is. Um, his, his, one of his favorite lines to say to me all the time was, you don't look like my son. And that was when I was a disappointment to him. You know, so if I didn't, if I didn't succeed in baseball, if I didn't succeed in bowling, if I didn't succeed in sports, I was a disappointment to him. And so it created a, a ton of pressure as a child um, around this identity and, and, and performance anxiety and performance and everything um, that still by no means am I completely 100% free of. Um, I know sometimes people like to get on here like, I, back when I was this way, you know, I was always this way. And I'd never have that again. It's like, dude, come on. <laughs> now that I'm perfect. <laughs> yeah, now that I'm perfect, right? Follow me now that I'm perfect. No, I, I actually call myself the imperfect guru. Because I don't want you to be like me. I want you to be you. And I want you to be the best, most fucking empowered version of you possible. Yeah. Um, I'm not you. You're not me. You can't walk a day in my shoes. I will never walk a day in your shoes. Anyways, so I kind of grew up in that type of environment. And um, over the years, got involved with John Eldridge stuff, uh, you know, Wild at Heart and was a part yeah. of some brotherhoods. And it did a lot of like coaching, counseling, even in, in my 20s. Um, had a, a background in ministry and had traveled and done evangelism, did drama through a, a ministry called New York Drama Company and, and, and had done a lot of things and really found an identity around even ministry per se. Yeah. Um, and, and that identity was so bad to where people would go, are you a Christian? I'd be like, I've been in ministry for 15 years. And it was like, it was like, wait a minute, what, whatever happened to this simple gospel of, I know mm -hmm. Jesus, Jesus lives inside of me. Mm. He is the reason I breathe. He is who I am. Yeah. And yeah, I feel that. Wow. Mm. wow and so, you know, it's like we, we get so caught up in, in who we are to the world, but we forget who we are to him. 
him, him who created us. Right. And so, so my identity was so wrapped up in that and, and, and it just came with this ball of religion of like, I have to be a certain way, have to act a certain way and I have to do things this way. And God started to strip that away from me. And I started to see myself more as a businessman and not as a stereotypical minister. And what I say by that is I believe that ministry is everywhere in everything we do. I believe that ministry is 24 seven. It never stops because ministry should be a flow of the relationship of God in me. It just should flow out of me as the relationship does. Um, and, and I get it. I get that there's titles and I get that there's an authority and there's, there's things like that, you know, pastors, bishops, all, all the fivefold ministry. I'm totally on with that stuff, but there's more people that are ministers than, than are pastors. And that should be the case, right? Uh, every man a minister, I can't, I can't remember who, who used to say Lauren Cunningham, right? Um, I think it was him. Um, one of the, one of the old revivalist guys. Um, and so, you know, fast forwarding this journey, I, in um, 2019 ish or whatever, started going through a divorce and, 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 and as I progressed through my divorce, I was like, I was working with a coach. I was working with a therapist. I was working with another coach, spiritual advisor. And I'm like, man, there's gotta be something for men that like kind of puts it all together. Mm. And I, I started noticing there was a lot of different groups out there like Bulletproof and um, High Thrive and uh, Warrior and like all these different programs. And yeah. like, felt like none of them could answer the, the same, like the question that I could. And, mm. it, and it was really about how do you get your power back? Not, mm. not like, how do you just get your balls back and be like, yeah, I'm a man, like, like over the top, you know, stuff and to each his own. Um, but I didn't, I didn't want to be a narcissist in the way I approach life either. Yeah. And I yeah. didn't want to be this red pill, you know, over the top male. <laughs> yeah. And then I, but at the other side, you had the white knight, like, I'm going to do everything for my lady and make mm -hmm. her adore me again. And I'm like, what is all this shit? Like, it's just, it's confusing. Yeah. Right. So, and so let's, I, let's clarify, yeah. let's clarify terms for a second. Cause yeah. I, I know exactly what you're talking about, but there's yeah. a lot of uh, Christian men and even women that uh, listen to the podcast that have no idea what you mean by red pill. Maybe they're thinking <laughs> mega and Donald Trump. And I mean, that's, that's a different kind of red pill. Um, wake you up from the matrix but there's a red pill men's philosophy that's out there and white knight would be another concept so just what's your thoughts on those terms yeah and and i'll give it just from my perspective i don't know that i can give the webster's dictionary version of it i can just yeah. tell you what my perspective is yeah my perspective on the red pill is essentially that man has to take back his place in society and therefore everything else is subservient to him um mm. and you know Andrew Tate is one of the like sort of leaders of that movement and he's a popular guy in, in that world. And it's very heavy on um, machismo. It's very heavy on uh, masculinity. And I think it's the world's answer to a broken masculine soul. Like mm -hmm. I, I, I think it's the world's answer to we feel emasculated as men. And the only way to take our power back is to go over the top. And that's mm -hmm. the way the world works anyways. Right. It's like, it's always counterfeit to the gospel. It's always counterfeit to the strength of God, because I think man represents the strength of God while women represents the beauty of God. And you need both. And so with the strength of God in men, when they don't feel powerful, they have to be, they are insecure and they have to go over the top. Inadequacy forms this whole over the top mentality. And I, and I have this saying that I used to say, and I have it on a t-shirt, it says, I eat alphas for lunch. I almost wore that shirt today, actually, didn't even think about having this call. And it's because I'd have these, you know, alpha males on the calls with me and I just have them crying. And I'm like, dude, I, like, you know, you're, you're basically a baby. 
because you don't know how to deal with your emotions. And so instead of you being this strong 46 year old man, you're like a five-year-old child. Um, or I'd say you're, you're, you feel like a 10 year old boy with no hair on your nuts. It's because it's like, you're not a man. And you're yeah. like, oh my God, you know? So that's one side of it. The white knight side, I, I have less familiarity with it, but from what I've been seeing or what I've seen around the world, it's kind of like this, I'm going to drop and do everything at the expense of making sure that she is lifted up and that I will save her and I will rescue her from the pit of hell. That was more me. Mm. I was like that kind of guy. I literally thought I was supposed to be Hosea uh, who, who married the prostitute um, uh. because I just kept having to go back into the glutton of pain. And it was mm. like, all right, God, if that's what you called me to do, then forgive and, and, move, and, and just I'll do that. I'll be that guy. And it was like, why? It was, mm. it was ego. It was to, to prove something of spiritual strength, to, to prove a nobility that I didn't even need to prove. And I, I got very convicted of that. And I'm like, you know what? I don't need to save my wife anymore. And, and I think there's, again- so like, a, like a martyr complex? Yeah, Is that oh, yeah what, very what much so. Because okay. and Eldridge addresses this a little bit, but he does it in a different way. He says that, that men are, one of the three parts is to rescue the beauty. And so I took that to like the nth degree of rescuing the beauty. Uh-huh. And, and I think there's importance behind it. And, and what Eldridge says is, is super, uh, for, for me, at least foundational okay. in my masculine journey. I read it when I was like 23. So it was like right on the cusp of like being a man and husband and all that stuff. But when yeah. he said rescue the beauty, I took that to the nth degree and was thinking, I have to rescue her from the pits of hell and from everything that she would ever experience, not realizing mm-hmm. that she's the one who continues to put herself there. And then at some so you're, point, you're more enabling than rescuing. Exactly. Exactly. Okay. Exactly. And where it's like less personal responsibility and less accountability and more me just proving my spiritual manhood. Mm. And, and, and I see this time and time again with men we get on the phone with this, like they're willing to be walked all the fuck over because yeah. they're wanting to prove that they're spiritual. They're wanting to prove this. And, I, and, I, and I've heard it again. And we were talking about this a little bit ago was you know, I, I'm not a proponent of divorce. I don't ever promote divorce to anyone. Yeah. But I also feel like there's some boundaries that need to be put in play. And if, mm. and if someone continuously walks over those boundaries, there has to be a consequence for yourself, not necessarily for her. And yeah. so, so I'd said to myself that if there was a lack of repentance, which is a true turning of the heart, then I'm out. Because if mm. there's never gonna, if there's not gonna be repentance there, and God has already given me through Matthew, that I can walk away from this, then I will. Mm. And, and so I try to teach men, I guess, the balanced approach is as balanced as I can be, or can I, I can see in my little lens, right? We all, sure. we all kind of see dimly through that mirror. And I, I feel like men just need to know that number one on this side with the white knight stuff, like, Hey, that's great. I'm glad you want to save her. But at the end of the day, she has to be able to save herself. She mm. has to turn to God and have that relationship one-on-one. And then on this side, it's like, dude, stop being a monkey. You're, you're a narcissist. You need to quit it. Like this, the world does not revolve around you. Um, right. And, so and I'll, 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 add, yeah. I'll add to those two terms because I, I, with the red pill uh, community, there's, there's also Rolo Tomasi, the rational male, which was his bestseller, which I think really fueled that. And it's a response to feminism. So there's this, oh, women are these uh, third wave feminists. If you go back, first wave would be 1920s and the right to vote, Susan B. Anthony, great stuff. 1960s, 70s, we want to be in the workplace. We want equal rights. You know, it's the next level. But third wave is uh, uh, 
uh, K-A-M, Kill All Men, is the acronym right. in the third wave feminism, which is this right. angry, hateful, we don't need men in our culture or society. Well, Red Pill is kind of the response to that that says, well, we hate you too, and we're going to get rich and, and ripped and, and move on with our life without women, which yeah. is also the men going their own way movement as yeah. well. Um, but then the white knight would also, you know, martyrdom is a part of it, but also your average people pleaser, approval seeking Mr. Nice Guy. Yeah. And uh, Robert Robert Glover's book was, was huge for me because I, I had all these psychological labels being thrown at me at a certain point. When I read his book, I was like, it's nice guy syndrome. Like, yeah. and this is most Christians I know, most Christian yeah. men I know, it's nice guy is eight out of 10, I would guess, if I were throwing, you know, a number out there. And No More Mr. Nice Guy by Dr. Robert Glover was a, a eye opener. It didn't, it didn't supply me with the answers I needed to change, but it helped me understand my flavor of broken. So, um, yeah, but so for you, you came to this realization and you started to work with some people in 2019. And is that when the divorce happened? Yeah. Yeah. So we got divorced in 2019. Um, I basically had worked with, which is funny because she asked me to go to counseling. She said, you need to go to counseling. So I went to counseling uh, and and multiple different peoples I was working with coaches, therapists, counselors. And like, I was trying to get to the root of like what was causing these things. And as I started working through that, they were like, you realize what is happening here? And I was like, no, they're like, there's a lot of emotional abuse here and there's a lot of things happening. And so you know, mm-hmm. I, I tried to, um, I say it this way, my ex-wife's story is her story. And so yeah. I, I don't, I don't go into too many details, but there was some mental health things that had happened that, that, that were there that I always thought were there, but got confirmed. Mm-hmm. And when they got confirmed, it started to make a lot of sense. And I, I was faced with a choice. Do I walk through that and, and hold to a covenant that's already been broken? Or do I move on from that? Mm-hmm. And ultimately, my choice was to move on from that. Um, and I say this without a shadow of a doubt, it was the greatest decision I ever made in my life. And, wow. I, and other than accepting Jesus, like, like, <laughs> right. I mean, like that is the greatest decision, but, but other than that, I mean, my, wow. my wife now is, is not my perfect compliment. I don't even know what you want to call it other than it was the greatest decision I could have made for myself, for my kids. Um, what I offer to her, it, it has worked. We have seven kids total. I have four kids. She had three. So combining, we have seven total and it works. Like we have a great functional family, which I never mm-hmm. knew could exist. Um, there's no arguing and yelling and screaming. There's no, there's none of that. It's, it's, we, we work through things. We talk through things. There's, there's emotional maturity, you know? Um, so it's, it was a, it's a phenomenal thing for me. It was Danny Silk said something and I guess he says it a lot, but that most people are married two or three times over the course of their life you know, statistically, but that sometimes you can be remarried to the same person. And, you know, I'm thankful that that's what we were able to do in our marriage, but I recognize, you know, there's lots of unique situations and. Yeah. 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 Your situation is rare, like for, for you guys to come back, but it takes, and this is what I I'm a fan of is like, you know, is like, you both have to work at it. Like there, it can't be just all mm-hmm. on one person. And I get, you know, the messaging behind what Bulletproof says and some of these other guys, it's like, it takes uh-huh. one to, I, I get that. But yeah. ultimately there still is a second person that has to lean back in and say, 
I'm willing to give you a chance. I'm willing to work through this with yeah. you when these changes have happened. So yeah, one of one of the concepts that really helped me visualize the process for our relationship coming back together is actually it's in um seven effective seven habits of highly effective people yeah. but it's the idea of trust as a currency mm. and the idea that you know i had buried myself in a million dollars of trust deficit my wife did not trust me i had destroyed our reputation our relationships our business our ministry our marriage and so i'm in you know hypothetically or metaphorically a million dollars in debt I have to get it back up to a certain point of rebuilding that trust before she, as the bank, would ever consider giving me another loan of trust. And so, you know, that that was like, oh, so how do I rebuild trust? Which is a topic that I don't see the church ever talk about. We talk about confession of sin. We talk about forgiveness of sin. We talk about repentance. We talk about restoration. But we never talk about trust. Because it's not like, oh, Jonathan, you repent, you confessed, you repented, you're forgiven. Now you're restored. Here's everything back. Like, no, you actually have to do that. And then you have to rebuild trust. Yeah. And I, I'm going to be in that process for years. There's going to be people who, you know, believe lies about me, spread lies about me. I'm still in that process. And, you know, that's a matter of trust. And it will take years for people to see solid consistent reliable results of the fruit of my life the fruit of repentance yeah it's yeah. almost like trust is the magnifying glass on your repentance mm. Mm. say more i want to hear this idea well what i was seeing when you were saying that was like you know if you look at a magnifying glass and you've repented but it's like so many people have repented and it's like but but the trust is like magnifying the real repentance like because it's it's truth mm. right it's like Mm. under that magnifying glass truth is exposed and and whether or not you're lying or not is is really the thing because i think that's what ultimately trust is is people saying oh we can trust him again because he's telling the truth because he's living who he says he's going to live as that's right. ultimately what trust what we're buying into right so yeah. whether it's somebody buying your books somebody who's been to your you know apostolic stuff that you used to do that all all they're faced with is is he telling the truth and mm. at the same time can i forgive him because of my own judgments like, yeah, that's, it's so funny how people like hold all these things against ministers and pastors. And it's like, I think that's a lot of it's their own projection of their own guilt and they're projecting it onto you because it's easier to project it on you because you're the man of God in front of everyone. But yet you have these secret sins and shames that you don't want anybody to know about. Yeah. You know, it's, it's just easier in our culture, our Christian culture. It's sad as heck. Um, and, and, and that's what turns, I think a lot of people off from church period. Mm -hmm. is because of that is we we live in this bubble it's been great for me to get out of the bubble yeah get out of ministry and it's like see the world again for a minute but still have the knowledge of the saving knowledge of christ to still have him inside of me and working yeah. through my salvation without the ministry tag like it's so much better because there's not the pressure of perfectionism there's not the pressure of all these other things and i'm sure you've yeah. been feeling it yourself right it's like you had this huge thing crash down and then you're like i'm just i'm just a child of god now and that's where the power of ministry really starts from, which is what started the problem in the first place. But when you have giftings and you have this and all, and his pastor's like, oh man, you're gifted to speak. We got to put you on stage. Oh man, we got to do that. And like, people are so quick to put people on stage, so quick to read their books, so quick to do that. And it's like, dude, but what about here? Who is he here? Yeah. 
Yeah, and I, I was not in touch with it. Even as you were saying earlier, I eat Elphus for lunch. Uh, that concept that you get the 46-year-old man in front of you and then he's bawling and he feels like a five-year-old, like that was, that was exactly what Bulletproof Husband did for me in that uh, I had been recommended by a psychologist to do a lot of inner child work and be in a men's program. Like that's what she had put into her, her recommendations for me. And I tried other things. They weren't great. And then this one took me down that road of the same thing. Very direct, very confrontational, masculine conversations, going into those places because what we, we do, you know, we layer up, you know, we, Jesus says to be like a child, but then we get off of all the layers of hurt and stuff, blame and lies that we tell ourselves and we layer it all up for decades to come. And then we ruin our, our life, our marriage, our money, our, our ministry. We ruin it because all the layers and we have to get back to, I'm, I'm this little kid and this is the core of who I am and I'm loved and I love me and the father loves me. And, you know, that, that's stripping away. And I'm sure that's, that's probably what you guys do too, right? Oh yeah. hundred percent. I mean, I would, and I would say the the biggest work we do while we teach skill is really around the healing. Um, I I've been blessed with the ability to release things over people and through the exercises that we give them, it's like waterworks. I don't even know what you want to call it. It's like, we're able to just access parts of their heart. They didn't even know were there. Yeah. Um, and, and really the focus, obviously for us, because we're not therapists, so we're not like necessarily going into childhood wounds. Uh-huh. It comes, it, it starts with the marriage they're in and it starts with what they're doing. Um, and I'm trying to think of how much detail to give you, but, but essentially if I give you context, it's like imagining, you know, your son going through what you're going through. Mm and allowing yourself the freedom to experience that and how you would react if your son was experiencing what you're experiencing. I call it the letter to David. And it was a letter I wrote to my son about what I was experiencing through him. And it's one of the most powerful exercises we have them do in the program. Wow. And it starts to help them really put truth around what they're going through. That's another one I do is the truth serum exercise. And it's a yeah. seven day long exercise they go through where every day they have to write the truth of this specific thing. And, and it's six questions or something and they have to answer it with truth and they have to post it in our group and, and do all this and the coaches around it, and then they have to post a response to it. Mm. And just that truth alone about what is really happening and who I, who am I really? Because we, you know, I know this as men is like, most men don't know who the fuck they are. Uh-huh. They, they can't answer that question. Who are you? Yeah. I think it's a lifelong thing. I think, I don't want to say it's an evolving thing, but it's definitely a journey of discovery in a sense but there's elements across the way. It's like, I know that I am a fighter and a protector of men. Like I know that I'm called to be a king and a father of men. Like mm. that is that is who I am. And I know that only, the only way I can be a father to men is by being fathered by Father God. And, and so that's been my journey is, is I was, you know, I, like I said, I lost my dad at 15, wasn't a great father, got fathered by other men in faith, but ultimately through that found my way to being fathered by God. And even that relationship while it still can be toxic sometimes, or it still can be not healthy at some times, because my relationship with God is not perfect by any means. There is, there is always that element of like, he's my dad and I know it. And I know it. And because of that, I can father these other men who are older than me in some cases to help them see the same thing. And 
we just did an event here in, in uh, Gilbert a couple, uh, two months ago or so. And it was incredible to me because we don't work with Christians, but we have Christians in our, in our midst. Yeah. One of my coaches is actually a former pastor. And it was interesting to me because what we did was, and this is something that I've craved to do for like my entire years in ministry. We had all the guys sitting around towards the end. And I said, guys, I want to give you a gift. And so I went around and I prophesied over every single man. Mm. And I did it in the most non-religious way you can. There was no, thus saith the Lord. There was no, <laughs> said Jesus says this about you. It was like father's heart to you. And the amount of tears in that room would fill buckets. Uh, grown men, 56 years old to, to 32 years old, all just like, and one of my favorite ones was a guy, he was, he was a, a, a known atheist, meaning, and that, and that's the, this is the thing about what I do is like, we don't pronounce religion. We don't pronounce Christ. We don't, we just live what we live and, mm. and our heart is what our heart is. And I believe yeah. that the presence, if the presence is there, you don't even have to say his name because his name is being preached from the presence that is in you. Mm. And so so he, he, he stands up and, and I have him just stand in front of me. And I mean, you would have known because you've been to prophetic meetings and you've seen yeah. these guys laying on of hands. I'm laying hands on these guys who are not believers. Yeah. It's my favorite thing in the world because I don't have to put religion on you. I just yeah. want to give you the father's heart because if mm -hmm. you can know the father's heart for your life, it will change the trajectory of who you become. It changes your legacy. Mm -hmm. This guy, not a believer or anything. And he, and he stands up and he's this massive dude, massive man. And, and I, I just started, you know, how, how do you, how do you pray in front of people without praying? Right. So yeah. you don't want to off put them. And so I just, I was very cautious about my words. You know, I was trying to go, you know, Sean Bowles, you know, right now, where he's like, he like <laughs> pulled everything back after the election. Right. It's like, I'm going to, I'm going to be very careful about what I release right here. And so <laughs> I love Sean. I love his, stuff. I don't know him, but I love his stuff. Anyways. And so I, I kind of just, I put my hand on his chest and I just started seeing what God was saying for him. And then I started quoting words. I guess my gift is I can quote words. I can see what people have said. I can see childhood toys. I can see all kinds of things. And, and I, and I released that over and I said, I said, you have even said da 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 and he, and his eyes rolled in the back of his head and he goes, how did you know that? And he starts like shaking and he's like, Oh my gosh. And he's just crying. And, you know, and I, and I let him go. There was no, thus saith the Lord. There was no, in Jesus name. There was just, that's it. You know, I said what I said and it was, you know, each guy got like two minutes or so. Yeah. And, and he, and he went back to the group and he goes, guys, he goes, I, I don't know what it is. He said, but I believe now. I don't even know what I believe, but I believe. I am in. Sign me yeah. up. Yeah. Oh, and, and he signed up long-term now with us as, as, in, a, in, our, in our business. And it's, and no, again, I met with Jesus, yeah, but, I yeah. <laughs> but I mean, that's whatever that was. Yeah. yeah, yeah, exactly. I know. And it's like, and so, you know, <laughs> my, my, one of my coaches on staff, he's a former, former pastor, a large thing. And he's just, he's a, tr he's a true serving pastor. He's not mm -hmm. one of these guys. that's like big, you know, like out there and like, he, he's never been that guy. He's just a humble pastoral dude. Just loves people, just mm -hmm. loves connecting with dudes. So he's a great coach for us. And so he's just going to continue nurturing that relationship. And, you know, when the opportunity presents itself to present the gospel, it'll, it'll happen, you know? And if, it, it, again, it's, it's always up to them. And I look at it as that is like, we are, we are, we are hope bearers. That's what we do at Empowered Man. We are mm -hmm. here to bring hope to men who are lost and are broken.
Wow. I man, I love it. I let's let's see um who would be your target? Like if somebody is where are they at that they come find empowered man and and where do they go? Yeah. I mean, our, our typical guy is facing separation or divorce. Um, okay. he's he's experienced, you know, the I want out of the marriage, etc. A lot of our guys are being cheated on or have been cheated on, and they're mm-hmm. trying to figure out where do I go, what do I do. But I would say that the ideal man who walks into our program is a man who's accepted that the old marriage is dead. And the only way to move forward is to either create a new marriage or to move on. Creating mm-hmm. new marriage looks like a whole new level of empowerment, meaning where he's got boundaries, he communicates, he owns his shit, and he's a leader. I mean, that's mm-hmm. the core of what we do at Empowered Man. Okay. Um, the other guy is a guy who's already divorced, and he knows he doesn't, number one, want to repeat the same mistakes of his past. Uh, number two, he wants to be in a community of men that are living at the highest level possible. Mm-hmm. Our guys are not billionaires. We do have some successful, we've had some, you know, you know, guys that like, we're not allowed to say their names, things like that. Sure. Yeah, it's yeah. mostly men that are just like, you know, regular guys with pretty good jobs. So, yeah. Some business owners, we only have about 25, 26% business owners. The rest are guys with like corporate jobs, managers. Um, they make a decent living. Okay. And they're like, normal people if that makes sense and but they're like i don't want to live small anymore Mm. i I want to live in a bigger story and so and and we're even looking at how we can broaden our scope if you will because it was never intended for us to only work with guys going through separation divorce um because the material and the things that we teach are transformative in nature like we have guys that will use our stuff in their corporation and they'll like literally teach their people because we teach conflict you know management we teach you know, anywhere from texting to actual like verbal communication, um, power triangles, all, all kinds of different communication tactics we teach on that yeah. side of it. Um, and then the own your shit stuff is like phenomenal because I have this thing. I say that the more ownership you have, the more freedom you have. So if mm-hmm. you can take hundred percent ownership, you can have hundred percent freedom. It's just totally up to you. If you look at it, it's a Jesus principle. Jesus hundred yeah. percent took our sins. So therefore we could have hundred percent freedom in him. Mm-hmm. That's good, man. That's good. So, so from the angle of what does it actually look like? A guy joins the program. Is there group calls? Is there a Facebook community? How many people are involved? Like what, yeah. what does it look like on the inside? Yeah. So our current um, modality for, for Thrive, which is our main program, we have Thrive, we have Thrive Plus, we have a couple other smaller ones, but those are that Thrive is like the flagship, if you will. It's a 90 day program. Um, it is a combination of group and some one-on-one. Um, the, I would say it's, it's more of an immersive experience than anything. Um, and that is because you are forming bonds with people that are in the trenches with you at the same time of growing yourself. And so uh, we, we walk through the three phases, uh, what I was talking about. The first phase is really about neutralizing the power your wife has over you so that you're no longer like a slave to all of that. And you're able to like actually make healthy decisions, not being just a doormat anymore, not be just Mr. Nice Guy, or if you're the opposite, where she's still controlling and you're being a jerk and being abusive, would help control that as well. Second part of that is the healing aspect. And then the third aspect is the, the leadership phase. Um, and so all of it works over, um, we're, we're in a platform called School. So it's not on Facebook, it's a completely private platform. Yeah. Um, and so we run everything through there. There are a total of um, 11 group coaching calls a week, all at different times of the day. 
So that way guys in East coast or West coast can meet at different times. Um, it depends on the things there's topical ones. So every day there's a topical one. So like we have a communication boundaries class. We have a marriage therapist on staff and she does a, she does a class, uh, you know, I hate saying class, but uh, group calls. And then we have office hours, which are more like kind of like one-on-one, -on -one, but a little, like a little bit more intimate, uh, smaller, you know, groups of guys will show up to those. It's a way to ask questions about homework and a, a way to get like deeper on certain things. Uh, wow. did, I answer, did I answer your question? Yeah, or? It does. It, I, I had no idea. It really, uh, the inside of it. And then, so after 90 days, what happens with guys? Do they continue yeah, about, or do they? Yeah, about 35% stick with us long-term. And so what that, what that looks like is um, we have a program called Thrive Plus. And so essentially it's somewhat of a continuation, but it's deeper. We have different levels of mastery. So we go into business mastery, we go into dating mastery, we go into, there's all kinds of things because we find that a lot of guys after 90 days are either headed towards divorce or headed back, you know, and then the ones that are kind of in between, they're still trying to figure it out. Um, and we, we work with them through that. Um, we get into identity, we get into all kinds of fun stuff. I would say it's like even more fun in the back end because now these guys start to really get to know each other. And then we see each other in, you know, uh, quarterly at quarterly events. And it's like, it's like a whole different, uh, it's a great atmosphere. When we see each other in person, we just had our first one. There was next one coming up in Nashville uh, next in two months, I think, or a month and a half. So in Nashville, okay. And and you said you're in Gilbert. Is that in Arizona? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, okay. okay. So Gilbert's um, it's actually Mormon country. <laughs> For, yeah, uh, so very well known in in terms of that. There's a temple here and all that stuff. So I can actually almost see the temple from my office. But yeah, <laughs> so it's uh, yeah, Gilbert's uh, East Valley of Phoenix. Okay. Okay. Wow, man. It's, it, it sounds like it has exploded uh, since COVID started really like that. Yeah. I started during COVID. Yeah. Right after COVID started was when I got my first clients. Wow. Wow. And did, did you imagine where this was going? I, I'm sure there's been a lot of surprises along the way. Um, In some ways, yes, because I always knew that I was playing small and God wanted me to do more, but I'd been hiding behind my ex-wife and I'd been hiding behind my marriage and wasn't ready to be seen. In some ways, God still challenged me to get out and do more. Like, I still feel like I'm still playing small in some ways. And so I'm consistently challenging my mindset of going, how am I, am I looking at this through the kingdom lens or am I looking at it through the Mark lens? The Mark lens plays small, he's insignificant, but the kingdom lens is way bigger because it has nothing to do with me. It has everything to do with the king. And I'm just here to serve him and his story and what he wants to do and where he wants to take empowered man. But it's a legacy push. My son, David, who's 11 years old, he knows he wants to be the next CEO of empowered man. And <laughs> he even made himself a little badge that says empowered man, David on it. And uh, he's got a hat. Yeah. I love it. Um, and um, it's, it's been a cool, cool thing for my kids, but no, I don't, I don't know that I knew where it would be, you know, where it is now. What I would say is I don't think we've even scratched the surface like I have a three phase growth plan for where I want to take this and it's way beyond just group coaching. Um, we're now working with, um, we're working on some beta uh, pilot programs with churches um, as well for how we can bring what we're doing into, into mm. the church world um, mm. and at how we can be a conduit because we're reaching lost men. And yeah. at the same time, we can provide a solution for them to reach lost men in their community who don't go to church, who aren't a part of a community this can be an opportunity for them to bring them in at the same time, obviously we could potentially benefit our bigger program. And so we're looking at ways to, uh, to do that. Wow, man. What would, uh, 
Would you speak for a minute on the concept of what you see is missing for the modern man that is just, and I don't know what your answer will be, but like what's missing that we need? And yeah, open-ended question. The word that comes to me the most is vulnerability. Mm. And, and that I don't think men feel like they have the space to be vulnerable. I feel like they always have to, they have to be somebody that they're not or have to be somebody that the world has put on them. Mm. And, and, and I think that there's safety and vulnerability when you don't just accept what you're feeling as, as the reality, but it's just a perspective. Mm. So what I mean by that is like, it's, it's not enough to go, I'm vulnerable. Like th this will happen in support groups. This is what I hate about support groups man, my wife is cheating on me and all this and blah, blah, blah. Yeah, man, that's tough, man. That's just horrible. You know, and, and everyone coddles him and feels sorry for him and all that stuff. And, and I don't think that's vulnerability. I think you're just sharing your experience of what's happening to you, but you're not talking about what's happening inside of you. Mm. And so the vulnerability comes when we start to open up what is actually going on inside of us, because a lot of men's things and divorce support is all about what the other person is doing to you to make you feel the way you're feeling. And therefore there's no accountability and there's no ownership over anything. And so vulnerability should lead to ownership. And so that's, that's where I think the crux is because if you look at the church, if you look at men's groups, it's always, and in the world period, politicians are gaslighting the crap out of us. And like, nobody takes ownership for anything. Yeah. And when you have a culture that lacks ownership. You have a culture that promotes victimhood. Hence yeah. all the movements we've had, yeah. the, the audacity 15 years ago, you know, and I don't want to get political and I don't want to talk about all these things, but you, anybody listening knows what I'm talking about uh -huh. saying it enough to where it's like, I'm not even going to give credence to those things. It's just, it's just audacious for you to say the things that you're saying these days because you're a victim. And I, I don't have a place for victim in my world. And anytime mm -hmm. I feel victim, I got to look at me and I got to go, okay, I'm not taking ownership of something here. Even when my wife and I have a disagreement over something, I'm constantly looking for the place I can own. And yeah. I might not have done anything wrong in a yeah. sense, but that's the practice of extreme ownership I take in my life so that I never have anything against her. I can always hold it against myself and go, okay, this is what I need to work on. This is what I need to be better. And it keeps me from just focusing my lens on her and how she's bad and she's not good or whatever in that moment that you're feeling. Yeah, it's... Uh this one was a game changer oh, yeah. for me Same. And i'm sure i'm sure i'm hearing it and everything you're saying extreme ownership by jocko willink u.s navy seals oh my gosh and it's everything you're saying as far as owning which is a super masculine thing to do and we've gotten into this place as a culture that everything is victimhood and every you know boohoo me and blame my parents and blame whatever and you know, it, it's challenging because even when I share some of what I've processed in my journey, people still go, see, he's blaming because I mentioned something from my childhood. But it's not, it's like Dr. Gabor Mate says, it's trauma is not what happens to you. It's what happens inside you. Huh. And I actually, you know, I, I look at those same things, the abusive things that I went through in my childhood, and I can look at that and go, and that's where I told myself the BS story that I'm stupid or I'm weak or I'm a loser or I'm, you know, evil and yeah. fill in the blank. I did that to me. I yeah. told 
myself that story. The thing happened, but I told myself the story. And for me, empathy was such an interesting one too, because coming to the point that realizing if, you know, we all, we all do this projection where we're like, well, if I was in that person's shoes, I wouldn't have done ABC. And it's like, wait a second, wait a second. But if you had the same experiences and told yourself the same lies, you absolutely would do what they did. Yeah. And, you know, it helps me understand everybody around me to go, well, that's why they're doing what they're doing because of their experiences and their stories they tell themselves. And it leads to men's programs <laughs> and undoing those stories and all of that, all those lies that we tell ourselves. Yeah. So I'm, I'm laughing. Cause like, you're saying the things that I've been saying for years and it's like, I didn't even know that, that, that doctor you just mentioned, I, that's something I've been saying for a while now. Maybe mm. I heard it somewhere, you know, it's like one of those things, but I started, it was like the revelation came to me as I was, you know, we, we have thousands of calls. We've, we've had over 700 guys in our program, 3000 clients, you know, like we've done a lot in, in, in a short period of time. And, and I, and I look at the the things and I, and I'm constantly like, God is always like showing me different pieces and like communicating it and messaging it. And one of the things he showed me a while back, a couple of years ago was about the internal external dynamic where it's like constantly men come to us talking about the external things. Never do they once want to talk about the internal thing. And then mm -hmm. I started to see trauma. It was like trauma is trapped in your body. And what's happening is this external thing is, is triggering the trauma that's inside of you. So yes. one of the things that happened to me in 2016, when my ex-wife had left me for a period of time was again, without getting into the story, her leaving triggered something in me. And it was the abandonment from my dad. Yeah. And yeah. it was, and it was the abandonment that he died at an early age. And so like, and I remember sitting there just in my front yard and I'm crying and I'm bawling and, and God just like puts the puzzle piece together. And he's like, oh, there it is. And I was like, Oh my gosh. I was like, what, what I'm experiencing right now is a direct correlation to unhealed trauma. And so while it's painful and while what she is doing is wrong, I'm not, not even going to say that it's not wrong, but what's yeah. more important is how I grow through this, not go through this. And yes. so those statements we start all the time is it's not about how you go through it. It's how you grow through it. You have an opportunity to grow through this. I say you have right now, if you're going through separation and divorce, this is your greatest opportunity to get an ROI on your tears. Like, mm -hmm this may be the defining growth moment of your, of your adult life, because a lot of us are formed in our childhood and we don't take the measures and go to therapy and, and do the deeper work. We don't just naturally do that. But when you're in pain, you're willing to dive deep and go, what happened? And if you're able to put the spotlight on yourself and not focus on what your wife is doing and look at you, you can become the greatest empowered version of yourself possible. And that's what I did. I mean, like, I'm still not done. I'm a work in progress. But my power level just went and catapulted because I was like, I'm done living in a story that doesn't belong to me. I'm going to live in the God story and I'm going to write that story with him. Wow. Oh, man, this is so good. I, I think of um, when you're talking about vulnerability and I just want to make sure that everybody catches what you said, because it's not the vulnerability is not in repeating the story, the historical event but it's what's going on inside you, what you told yourself, the story you made up, the lie you're carrying, yeah. and what you believe came out of that thing. That's where you're actually getting vulnerable is the inside, yeah. not just uh, Brene Brown used to call it floodlighting, where yeah. you're just basically throwing out, you know, all this stuff 
and people think they're getting vulnerability because they're getting a lot of floodlight, but they're not actually hearing what's going on inside you. And I think that's the core of what we're saying over and over again. I'm hearing this core theme is really authenticity. Yes. And that's all stripping the stuff away. I mean, we call our thing the bulletproof husband because of this metaphor that you have you have given yourself bullet wounds life didn't give you the bullet wounds you did the lies that you told yourself i'm weak i'm stupid i'm evil i'm a loser uh and many others i'm broken i'm a victim that these these bullet wounds that when you get married your wife wants to feel safe and she comes along and goes you have a bullet hole and she sticks her finger in it because that's what women are gonna do And if you don't ever want anybody to poke your bullet hole, stay single, be red pilled, go off and live as an asshole. But if you marry a woman, she wants to feel safe. She's going to stick her finger in every bullet hole she sees. And most guys, we just get triggered, defensive. We're like, why are you being so mean to me? And, you know, that ruins a marriage instead of, oh, my gosh, thank you for helping me see that, that that's there. I need to go deal with it. And that's that's actually the beauty of the masculine and feminine is she helps you become better through poking all of your bullet holes. So, yeah, man, it's 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 amazing to see how often these men's work and what what's in that whole field. There's such a huge crossover. And I'm there's some of the most important books in the process. We've already mentioned No More Mr. Nice Guy, Extreme Ownership. But one that really impacted me, and I, I'm curious to hear if, if you went across this one, was The Way of the Superior Man by David Data. And that, I read it over and over and over, and it was deeply impactful because I, it laid out a roadmap of where I wanted to live, but didn't tell me exactly how to get there until I got to Bulletproof. But what, did you come across that one? So I, I have it, didn't really get into it. It, it, okay. it just wasn't my jive. Um, I, I don't have anything good or bad to say about it. Sure. So, I, I have it. Yeah. Gotcha. Gotcha. Okay. What would be something that was real influential in your process? Obviously, Wild at Heart, you mentioned as well, but. Yeah. I mean, Wild at Heart was foundational to it. Um, I'm kind of weird because like, I don't really focus so much on the men's side of things. I'm an overall psychology counseling therapy type of, you know, pr- approach. Um, and okay. part of it's because I think I, I try to be careful about how I'm influenced in terms of like a person's way of talking. So especially because I have messaging and I'm a communicator in my business, um, I, I want to be careful that I'm not just like taking bulletproof husband's thoughts and then yeah. like repackaging them as my own. Does that make sense? So yeah. I focus more on big principles. So like, for example, one of the ones that um, uh, I've been reading uh, this year was Bending Reality. Um, mm. It's it's uh it's it's about contraction versus expansion and this is what we deal with a lot of it in power band is guys will come to us in a state of contraction and what we want to do is get them to open up into expansion because in contraction you're just constantly inward you're not able to look at what is possible but we do a survey with our guys as they come into the program and one of the things we saw was that on average the guys who invest in our program and our our, our program is not cheap it's it's expensive um in, on purpose appreciate um, you yeah. we want to work with like guys that are willing to invest in themselves we do have some stuff for you know guys who don't have the finances that's whatever but but the fact was is we found that on a survey on a scale of one to ten the average guy in our program comes in at a six out of ten on this one thing and that is outlook on life 
Hmm. And I thought it was fascinating because everything else, communication, three out of 10. Happiness, uh, um, happiness three out of 10. Um, you know, sleep score, three out of 10. But this, six out of 10. And when they leave, they're an eight out of 10. And the other thing, everything else grows 20, 30%. And that one gets to an eight out of 10 on average for every man. And I thought it was interesting. It was because the, the men that come into our program have, I, have a high internal locus of control. They, they know that it's not the external things that they have control over, it's the internal things. And so when you have a higher internal locus of control, you get to control your outcome. And you do that by detaching from the outcome. The only way you can detach from the outcome is by earning the right to detach from the outcome. And you earn the right to detach from the outcome by doing the fucking process. Yes. So it's, again, it's like, if you do all the things, you can't control whether or not your wife comes back to you. But what I can do is I can control how I show up I can't control how I speak. I can't own those things. Instead of men trying to control their wives and control yeah. those things, control your tongue, as James says, right? Yeah, yeah. Tongue is wild fly, fire or whatever, right? You know, so that's that's one. Um, I've been also reading this man's search for meaning, uh, Victor Frankl. Yeah. Very good one on logotherapy. Again, that's probably more my bent is, and I didn't even know about that logotherapy. Um, mm. It's another one. This is one I've been reading recently by Ben Hardy. 10X is easier than 2X. I love a lot of Ben Hardy stuff. He's really good. Mm. Um, he, uh, he's written several now, um, that are, that are, that are extremely uh, well-written. He's a psychologist. Um, and so I, I have a, you know, broad business background. And I think I bring a lot of the, that, some of the NLP stuff and, and, and without even like knowing it, I'm just bringing that world in yeah. mindset. Um, so, you know, Todd Herman, alter ego effect. That was another one. Um, had him on my podcast. Uh, th- those are the types of books that probably impacted me more than any specific like men's masculine thing okay okay did you did you ever read um abba's child by brennan manning no i've no. never i know who he is but i never got into any of his work no yeah i used to think I, i'm like eh, i don't think i like that you know it, it seemed fluffy at first and then yeah. when i started going through hell somebody recommended you need to read abba's child and oh my gosh man it 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 he did such a great job def- describing the false self yeah. that you, you build in the ministry world and Brendan Manning himself, I think he was Episcopalian or something. He ended up alcoholism and, you know, like in the gutter, like brutal, like life, and then came back to God. And I, I actually ended up, my only tattoo at the moment is a quote from the book um, called humility. It says humility is stark raving honesty. Mm. And it's, concept that humility is not about making yourself small it's about making yourself authentic and who you really are and not the false self and uh yeah so it's it's been interesting because mixing all of the theology and everything mixed with masculine books and men's books and concepts and to finally to finally find this place of peace in the authentic self and i mean it's even it's bizarre. And I'm sure you you have the same experience, whether it's your ex-wife or other former friends or former ministry people, like you could, you're like, I'm, I'm just actually living my best life now. I'm authentic. I'm connected. I'm at peace with God. I'm at peace with myself. I love what I'm doing. It's purposeful work. Like it, I, I that's what I'm seeing and hearing in, in what you're sharing. And I totally relate to that. Yeah. Yeah. It's a, it's, it's not easy. It's daunting in some days and hard in others. You know, we're always dealing with on the business side, there's always things, you know, 
team, you know, because we're have decent sized team and stuff, and we're you know you deal with employee turnover and et cetera, and it's like there's sure. always stuff you know happening. Um, so it's it's been an interesting journey, <laughs> and that that growth as a CEO has definitely been a, a fun um, growth mm-hmm. thing with God, you know, of like mm-hmm. being a leader in a different way. You know, it's one thing to lead somebody from a group coaching call. It's another from like having direct, you know, employees and such that you're over and, and, and having to feed their life, you know, like in a lot of ways, spiritually, mentally, physically, uh, with, you know, with finances and things like that. So it's been a, it's been a a good journey of growth. Wow. Wow. I love it, man. I love it. Well, where do people find out more? It's a great question. I was, I've been thinking about that since you said we would uh, talk about that. So a couple of different things. I, I would say the number one thing, if you you know, like what I'm talking about is I have a podcast, Empowered AF. Um, you can find me on iTunes, Spotify, YouTube, everywhere. Empowered AF. Um, I'll let you figure out what the AF stands for. Um, that's that's our podcast. Uh, if you're just wanting to go to my website, has my podcast on it. It is the jankiest website ever. Like literally I put it up on WordPress one day and just, I think my, my auto, I don't know who does it, but somebody puts all my podcast on there. Somebody on my team, I don't know who it is. Uh, empoweredman.co is the website. So if you just want to like check out my podcast, don't judge me by the, the look of it. It's not fancy by any means. Empoweredman.co. Um, if you're wanting to actually book a call with our team and talk about what we do in Thrive, it's empoweredman.co slash book, B-O-O-K. Um, and we have a Facebook group. There's a lot of research, like we're everywhere on YouTube. Every, we're, we're a lot of places where you can just enjoy the free content. I've got like 145 episodes now or something like that on the podcast. There's a ton of YouTube shorts. There's we're everywhere. All I want to do is indoctrinate men into this way of thinking that like, it's time to be empowered. It's time to stop being a little boy. It's time to get up. It's time to walk. Um, Jesus said to the man who was sick, he was a victim and he, and he was like waiting for people to put him into the water. And he's like, do you want to be made well? He's like, yeah, get up and walk. Oh, it's that easy. Yeah. Get up and walk. And that's what men just need to hear. Get up and walk, dude, get the fuck up and walk. (laughs) That is a great way to end right there. I love it. Uh, thank you, Mark. I appreciate the time. And and anybody who needs to go further, maybe you're a man that you're like, I totally relate to that. I need to get my 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 spine back. I need to get some testosterone going in me and I need to step up as a man. I encourage you go connect, check out the social medias and all of that. Um, that's really why how I found you, because I was seeing all these things pop up in my in my news feed. And I didn't know that we had a connection that you read my books back in 2015. And it's, it's wild, man. I mean, I've been on a parallel different journey yeah. and, uh, you know, bulletproofhusband.com is what I'm working with and I love what they do, but I also love what you're doing and there's enough men in the world. There's enough programs. So I'm, I'm thrilled to be able to connect with you over this, this platform together. Well, it's definitely humbling. Like I said, you're, your teachings had a profound impact uh, impact on me years ago, and um, you know I always I always hate to hear about ministers falling from grace and whatever. But I love I'm going to say this. I'm just going to put it out there. I I fully believe that you have not even begun to see what God has in store for you. That you're entering a season of just ultimate grace where He can finally do the real work that He's been wanting to do through you, and because of your humility and because of your your openness to reality and not just spirituality of of this contrived church world that we lived in that you're going to have a greater impact on the masses than you did before 
And what I mean by that is people who didn't know Christ will come to know Christ through you, even though you're not a traditional evangelist in that way. But I think you're going to open up people's hearts and minds to see God through that lens of authenticity, because you yourself are true to your testimony and true to the word of what you've been through and what you've associated with, and that you've been an example of that. And as long as you stay on that path, that thing will have an incredible legs underneath it, because it won't be your legs, it'll be Holy Spirit legs. And those things are stronger than anything you or I could put together at all. And I believe that's what's coming for you. As I would say it again, there is more, there is more, there is more, there is more, there is more for you, your wife, and those children of yours. Beautiful, man. I really appreciate it. I I treasure every prophetic word I get. I, I really do value it. So thank you so much. Well, thank you everybody for watching and please go check this out and uh, empoweredman.co. Is that right? Yeah, no comment. Right. Right. See you. <laughs> All right. Thanks, buddy. So, no, I'm not the